Welcome to The Kindness Project, the podcast designed to share stories of kindness and share how kindness can make positive change in our world. In this week's episode of The Kindness Project, we share the best of The Kindness Project over the years, part four. Hi. 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 Hi, Charlotte. How are you? How about you? I'm doing all right. Uh, would we like to start the kindness project? Oh, that'd be nice. Oh, you know what? I'm so tempted to just do like the most boring kindness project ever, where we just talk like that Hi. and talk about trains and counting trains. Counting trains, um, but we're not going to do that because I am joined by the girl who is so maternal. Her nickname at school is Mother. It's Charlotte. Are you a bit embarrassed about that, Charlotte? Yes. <laughs> Are you a bit embarrassed about that? You do realise this goes out in public as well, yeah? You do realise this that actually gets published. Yeah. Um, and we've got a bunch of listeners now. So, so yeah, people are going to hear this. Don't call me mother. <laughs> Don't call me mother, Charlotte Dames. Um, and I'm joined. Does anybody actually call you? Uh, we'll get onto your intro in a minute. But does it? Uh, but does anybody actually call you mother, or is it like you are just quite maternal? Some, some of them call me mum. Mum, right? Any any mother? No, no. Any mummy dearest? No. Any mother? No, I've had a couple of mamas. Mama. <laughs> oh, I've never heard a fourteen-year-old girl with the nickname of Mama. <laughs> Um, okay. Oh, no, there's, there's a girl um, in the year above, and we all call her Mother Laura. Oh right, so you so you do. I Why? She's not the only one. Oh right, so there's a few there's a few mothers in the school, yeah, is there? A few maternal figures. Ma- Mother Laura and your mother Charlotte. Um, no, I'm just mum. Uh, <laughs> I'm just mum. Okay. Um, sorry, your intro was. The man. I'm joined by the man. <laughs> I'm joined by the man. Oh, we're all fighting at the man. <laughs> I'm joined by the man whose ears are so wonky, you might as well chop them off like Van Gogh. <laughs> oh, God. But one ear is wonky. This ear, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see what ear I'm pointing to. This ear is a particularly wonky ear. And they're both massive as well. I mean, I've got a decent set, set of Luggles, genuinely. Luggles. <laughs> They are so big, there is no excuse for one of them not working particularly well, really. I mean, there should be enough space in those lugos for everything to work. But lugos. Lugos. You like that? I like that. Bit of, bit of, bit of sort of, I don't know what lugos is. Is it rhyming slang? Is it, is it sort of... Lugos. It's just, just quite cool. Lugos. Um, so. So. Let's tell our, as we normally do, let's tell our... Listeners who are listening with their luggles, obviously, um, uh, what how they can get in touch. (laughs) (laughs) Is that cough ever going to go away? No, I don't don't think it is. Are you listening, listeners? Are you listening with your luggles? Let's check. (laughs) If we don't get any emails, we know you're not listening with your luggles. Send us some emails, guys. Yeah, Twitter. Are you? (laughs) <laughs> I'll start with Twitter at Ola Kindness. Are you listening? With your logos? Sorry, what was the Twitter? At Ola Kindness. Okay, okay. The email. Email. Ola at. No H. <laughs> <laughs> the kind. Absolutely, just yeah. Six months we've been doing this. 
Yeah. And six months you've tried to correct me. <laughs> six months. The website, website uk. On the website, just so you know, you can see all the show notes. You can see... You can listen to them all. You can listen to them all. You can see some photos of us. You can do loads of different stuff. Because this face is fabulous. And I'm not pointing to myself. Not the luggles, though. The luggles are a bit <laughs> wonky. Just cover up the ears. <laughs> just, uh, is that... Uh, now, Now this is really good for the video, <laughs> but not good... Well, it, it, it was our silent, it was the silent assassin, Russell, who said, yeah, you know, what would be really good if we do a video with a podcast? Ain't working, Russ, is it, really? Let's be honest. We're just visualising. <laughs> We're actually talking about this. Yeah, like we had to. It, exactly, exactly. Well, I mean, to be fair, though, we did do a, a viral video question where we just watched the videos and narrated. So uh, it doesn't get any worse than that, to oh, be honest. Um, so... So Would you like to know today's... Or do you want to do a jingle? Facebook. Oh, Facebook. Yeah, we get in trouble if we don't mention Facebook. Our uh, our editor, producer, and the man so silent, mimes are scared of him, Russell Dames. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't I didn't even write that one down. That was just made up. It was all right, wasn't it, for a, yeah. for a, for a made-up one. Um, s- says, you never mention the Facebook often enough, so I'm going to do it right now. You can find us on Facebook at www.facebook.com Ooh, interesting. <laughs> forward slash holokinus. So we are all about the holokinus and you can get in touch with us. So would you like this week's question of the podcast? <laughs> this week's question, question of the podcast is... I can't remember. Oh, no. Uh, I, I, I've remembered. What is the best piece of advice you've ever had uh, hello and and we are joined by a girl who thinks she's a budding youtube superstar it's sophie dames how you doing Sophie? you doing well you a bit cold so you're wearing a blanket <laughs> um so what's the best piece of advice you think you've ever had probably be from you work hard Work hard. work hard is a good piece of advice. Apart from be a ghost, Soph, what's the best piece of advice you've ever had? Um, watch the phone. Watch the phone is the best piece of advice you've ever had. I don't think that's a particularly good piece of advice. Okay, for that advice, that's a bit wonky. Yeah, that is a bit wonky. It's just me doing myself. Okay, fair enough. So, we want to hear from you. No, no. Oh, no, go on. Mummy says, um, can you help me with the dinner? Mummy says, can you help me with the dinner? And you like to help, don't you? You are quite a helpful girl, aren't you? What's the most helpful thing you've done this week? Save it for the next question of the podcast. No, no, we've got another question of the podcast Um, next week. um, 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 This is called Dead Air, listeners. This isn't normally good podcast etiquette, but... Um, You help mummy. You help mummy with what? Cooking the dinner. All right, so you... So you uh, you help So you help mummy be a chef. That is awesome. So what why are you doing Batman? Because she has a, she has the blanket like a cape. Okay. And it reminds me of Batman that got stuck in my head. Fair enough. So that is this week's question of the podcast. What's the best advice you've ever received? Shall we get on my friend yeah. with kindness news? Kindness news. 
Welcome to the kindness. <laughs> you cheated time. When was you going to start that? I thought you were starting. Oh, did you? And that's why you decided just to go. <laughs> Welcome to the kindness project. Russell, nobody will notice, Charlotte. Russell will just edit that, that bit out. Oh, what, your poor invitation, yeah. <laughs> what, what do you mean, my poor invitation? <laughs> what, me going like that? <laughs> Welcome. Um, how you doing? Not bad. This is our first proper full-fat episode of 2019. Ooh. So, if I've said it once, I'll say it a million times. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. How's 2019 going for you so far? You've been laying in bed and cleaning. I thought laying in bed and cleaning, like, I thought cleaning was best performed when you're not laying in bed. I thought you actually had to be up. How do you, you do this laying in bed and cleaning thing? Oh. Well, you know what? I blame Netflix because uh, Marie Kondo's documentary show, whatever you want to call it, if you don't know, listeners, Marie Kondo wrote a book called The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up or something like that. Um, And now she's got a, a, a show where she helps people basically get rid of the fluff in their lives, you know, just get rid of all the stuff they don't need. And I think um, Cassie and you have taken it a bit to heart, haven't you? You've got right, I'm condoing this and I'm condoing that. Condo has turned into a verb in our house. What are you doing? I'm just giving it a bit of condo. Just condoing it. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just giving it a bit of condo. Um, but I've just realised we are a couple of minutes in and we still haven't done our introductions, which are traditional for the Kindness Project. So I'm joined by Gail who in 2019 will be 16, which is a bit scary for me. It's Charlotte Dames. I'm, I'm joined by Chris Dames. His multitasking is incredible, especially when food's involved. <laughs> what does that mean? The other day, when I was writing these intros, I was thinking, what can I write for an intro? And I looked up, and I saw you just sitting there with food, and just started typing. <laughs> well, typing and eating at the yeah, same time. I, I, I like to be productive. I like. I, 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 I haven't tried. Uh, I, one thing I haven't tried is laying down and tidying up. I mean, clearly your multitasking is better than mine. Um, and I, I haven't tried anything in the gym. So what I'd like to do is try and eat chocolate biscuits while I was in the gym, just so as I was losing in the calories, I was replacing them. How did you reckon that'd work? What, what things would you multitask on? Are you, a, are you a big multitasker? No. Oh, okay. One thing at a time, otherwise you get scrambled. I, I do this, I'm very bad with this, but like, my, my head goes like here, there, and everywhere. Right. It's like I'll be doing something, and all of a sudden I'll see something else, and I go, that's got to be done. Yeah. It's got to be done. Yeah. I'll do that. But, but they do say, and I, I agree with this actually, that multitasking is a bit of a fallacy. Because if you try and focus on more than one thing at once, where where's your attention going? I think nowhere. I th- nowhere. It's it's been lost in the mist of time. Um, so you can either lay down or tidy up. That's up to you. But don't try and do both. So 
As it's 2019, should we remind our listeners about how they can get in touch with us? Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. The ch- I'm glad to hear the Churchill dog impression has made a comeback for 2019. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. How are they going to get in touch with us? At Ola Kindness on Twitter. Right. <laughs> Just search for either the Kindness Project or you can go www.facebook.com forward slash the oh, no forward slash holla kindness. Up to you. Search for Kindness Project or Holla Kindness and you should be able to find us. Uh, where have you did you do Twitter or did you do email? Okay. Email? Yeah. 2019 hasn't changed the fact that you still don't pronounce the H. <laughs> Just hola, kindness. We've been doing this for a year, and every time it's hola, kindness. Uh, it's no fun. Just there's all these. There's a there's a strange lady called Ola somewhere who works for a kindness charity who's getting all these emails going. Why are they asking about Muppets and... Do you, do you know what I mean? Biscuits. The biscuits. That's where all our emails are going. Um, and as it's 2019, the question of the podcast is back. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so, <laughs> so... Don't choke yourself out. I, I know, I know. Uh, <coughs> I am so excited about the question of the podcast being back. I almost choked. Um, but this week's question of the podcast is, what's the biggest goal, hope, dream or aspiration you're setting yourself in 2019? What do you think your one is? Because we had this conversation. We had this conversation. Uh, you don't know what you're going to do in 2019 yet? Power through. <coughs> Power through. You did. make sure I got well, as it's as it's coming up to GCSE year, I think yeah. that's quite a mighty aspiration to have. It's next year. It's next year. It's good stuff. And we've got Japan this year, which I'm really yeah, excited about. So we've got loads of really good stuff. Um, but listeners, we'd like to hear from you. Um, what is your the biggest goal, hope, dream and aspiration you're setting yourself for 2019? We'd love to hear from you. And I'd like to go Kindness News Animal Edition. Oh. Okay. Um, and I'd like to first talk about cats, because there is some more evidence that um, ancient DNA shows cats domesticate themselves. Lazy I mean, buggers. <laughs> I mean, cats, right? Um, I've got an easy life, haven't they? I mean, literally. I mean, they come and go, they get fed, they, they get. Literally, they, they, unlike dogs who are loyal creatures, cats are a bit like, what are you going to feed me then? What, what, what are you up to, mate? You know, sort your life out. Yeah. Um, so let me talk about domestication of animals. Domestication of animals was an amazing feat that changed human relationships with the natural world. But while a Pomeranian looks nothing like a wolf, wolf a thoroughbred jump horse looks nothing like a wild pony and a pot-bellied pig looks nothing like a black boar domestic house cats look pretty much the same as wild cats except they're teeny tiny is that they're smaller that's because they domesticated themselves not through form but through function and research reveals that wild cat ancestors share essentially the same dna as house cats today 
Um, so that's interesting. I don't know why that's on the Good News Network, though, Charlotte, to be honest. But let's pick a, uh, an inspiring um, story for, it is for fun our next to think one. About. Um, uh, photo of paralysed man um, cleaning plastic from India River goes viral and he's showered with gifts to better his life. A passion for photography has always possessed this young engineer from Kerala, India. Now he knows there was a purpose. After a photo he took while walking around his village, ended up changing a man's life and getting a shout out from India's Prime Minister. Carrying around a rented cam- camera searching for stories, Nandu K found very, nothing very interesting until one day he came f- across a bridge. I was always keen to capture images which had a story to tell, images which had life. I noticed a man rowing a boat and collecting something from the river, Nandu told the Good News Network. The old man was N.S. Rajapan, and he's been plucking plastic bottles from the river for years to earn a meagre living. Paralysed since the age of five when he was struck with polio, his daily routine had been keeping the waterways of the Banat, the Bamanad Lake clear of plastic, all from the seat of a small boat. Without crutches, the 69-year-old would drag his legs a short way down the riverbank to the Minachil River, after which he was free to wander the water in search of bottles. Filling his boat with plastic only earns him about 17 cents, but it's enough for a meal, and it's satisfying to know he's helping the environment. Somebody should remove the waste from the water, he said, and I am doing what's possible for me. <clears throat> you know what's interesting about that? The fact that this guy who's disabled mm. knows that he can make a positive impact in the world yeah. and takes action to do that. Um, uh, so this photographer uploaded the story to the Pro Media Facebook page um, and people began retweeting it saying, let's make this guy famous. Um, the UN environment the director of the un's environment program eric soheim um also did it um indian prime minister nahindra modi modi got involved and then was um praising rajapan's efforts and then it went viral and the elder worker got loads of gifts so he got um, a new motorboat courtesy of a local businessman uh, some the plans were in place to build a house and um uh, th- there's loads of people helping him out, including a Bangalore-based company making him a wheelchair. So that good deed, that he did completely unrewarded and completely unrecognised, and was quite happy to do it, has now been um, shown to um, have a benefit to the world, and he's been rewarded accordingly. Nice. Lovely story. Shall we move on with the show? Yeah. Let's move on with the show, and the next part of the show is... Kindness News! Kindness News! So, Charlotte's going to do the first bit. It's Josh's story, Why Kindness Matters in Later Life. Josh Elton is a group facilitator for for standing together... Simbrook. Yeah, Wales. Hmm. (laughs) Standing Together Wales, a project which aims to improve mental health, well-being and build community connections through peer support groups. Here he shares some insights into the role that kindness has played in these groups since lockdown. Um, For the last 18 months, Standing Together Wales has been a project that encourages people in later life to get together and engage in deeper conversations. They aim to reduce loneliness and isolation in later life by facilitating neighbours to become friends. Now, 
that is a great project, isn't it? You're just making those connections with people. We might live together, uh, might live next to each other for years and years and years, but just don't make that connection. I like to think we're relatively good friends with our neighbours. We've got really decent neighbours, actually, yeah. yeah. It felt like we were playing a fruitful game of Scrabble and the COVID-19 outbreak just split the board, ruining a great game we were on track to win. It is now illegal to congregate. Isolation is mandated and neighbours who became friends are cut off once more. Well, that's the interesting thing, isn't it? You know, I suppose if they've got a project that's designed to bring people together and suddenly they can't do it, what do you do? You can clearly tell this man plays Scrabble with big words like congregate and mandated. I know. And neighbours. But we well, was playing Scrabble and then somebody flipped the ball. <laughs> um, but what, it, what they had to do is find a new normal for the project. We missed the project we had, but we have to find a new normal. We developed a telephone service, crucially putting social interaction between people at its heart. We started by making contact with our participants. With permission, we were able to pass on the message from one neighbour to another, sometimes providing people with the only contact they'd had from from their friends in weeks. We have since moved on to making conference calls. Using just a mobile phone, we're able to merge calls between our participants' landlines, connecting friends who haven't spoken for over a month. And and the other thing they've done is, is use, during the coronavirus, being a bit more creative. There's a great capacity, the, uh, the organiser, um, Josh, says, to be creative and kind in peer support groups. A partially selected group member loves quizzes, but can't take part in the paper quiz the resident scheme are running currently. We were able to conference call her and three friends to do a telephone quiz. She went on to win. Such sessions are heartwarming and fulfilling, but the real power of our project comes in a kindness shown by the participants to each other between sessions. Um, uh, in that, I love. It's an amazing project. Um, it builds those so important community connections and particularly in a society where elderly loneliness is such a huge issue i think having people out there that are building um building those connections is fundamentally important so so important um let's talk about another good news story thousands offer to host tiny homes with homeless residents in their own seattle backyards a parent of non-profits are housing homeless people in tiny sustainable homes in the backyards of charitable charitable volunteers who decide to host them the seattle Bloom partnership hopes to replicate the cultural shift brought about by airbnb to tackle the homelessness epidemic in the pacific northwest as well as introduce concepts of sustainable housing to thousands of charitable residents who have offered their homes after returning a homeless resident outside of his architecture studio. Rex Holbin transitioned his career towards helping others by starting the Block Project. Its name playing on the words for neighbourhood and for the shape of the tiny houses he would pioneer. Oh, because they look like Lego blocks. They do, they do. <laughs> Seattle has the dual problems of expensive rural estate and the third largest homeless community in the country, which led Holbin to reason that tiny neighbours would have a much better better impact than waiting for a big budgeted government program this is an example of that like grassroots support that people can give he found a block along with facing homelessness the latter would find backyards in which the former could build small low emission housing and the government stepped in to make the process as legally expedient as as possible zoning laws already allowed for accessory to any new 
units to be present on existing properties and to ensure there's no impact property tax for those volunteers their backyards the non-profit sign five-year leases for their tiny houses so what they're doing is building these small houses in their back garden and putting people without homes um into these houses um using land that you know it's volunteered. I but love also that. because they're built on the back of people's houses, aren't they getting like a built-in support system as well? Yeah, exactly. Well, I suppose there's an element of connection there, isn't there? You know, mm. instead of being on the street, they they potentially become part of these um, these these people's homes and families and lives. I absolutely love it. Hi, Janine. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Really, a real pleasure to have you on, and also just a massive thanks for you getting up ridiculously early this morning um, and and joining us. It's uh, how, what's the time when where you are? Oh, hi, Chris. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. You're welcome. Um, it's just after seven a.m. in the morning down here in um, Australia. Okay. Just outside of Melbourne. Okay. Um, yeah, but um, yeah, I usually like to sleep in a little more. But that's okay. <laughs> and you've, you were telling me before we started doing the podcast that you've had a bit of rain. We have. We've had incredible amount of rain, okay. which is just so odd. Yeah. Because this time of the year, it's usually very dry. Um, but, yeah, great. It's been yeah. raining, which is fantastic. You want and, it, um, don't you? Yeah. Oh, it does. We're, it's been our cotton is very dry, yeah. very dry indeed. It's funny. So, we're yeah. we're we're currently going through. We've had a bit of a storm here um, over the last couple of days. So the storms oh. hit hit London, which is fine. Which you know, like sort of, we have we have sort of uh, not as extreme weather as some countries but often as slightly extreme um but i'm training for the london marathon at the minute i'm doing the london marathon in april um and um not great running weather (laughs) so so i i i went out yesterday for a run and uh, on the way out it was great because i was having a i was giving a bit of a boost i had a i had a tailwind running back when there was a headwind wasn't the easiest job in the world but uh yeah no it's it's all good fun so um so so our listeners can understand a little bit more about you can you tell us a little bit about you life experience and what you've done throughout your life and career okay well um let's see i started out um as a teacher, okay. uh, a primary school teacher in Queensland, which is a little bit um, a state uh, north of where I am now. Okay. And um, yeah, as I, I said before the podcast started, I had travelled quite extensively, so that was great. Mm. Um, and then in my sort of mid twenties, I decided I was teaching in a very small country town, so I decided to move down to Melbourne to actually study photography. Okay. Somehow found myself in publishing. Uh, they wanted um, a teacher in educational publishing, so I I got a job in publishing, and from there I became a publisher okay. of uh, maths books, actually, for primary school, which was all great. Um, so then I met my partner. We decided to teach English in Japan, so we went there for three and a half years. Yep. Um, my our first daughter Jess was born there and when we came back I decided that I didn't I wanted to live in the country and I didn't uh, want to be working or 
you know, all the time. So we established our own sort of little publishing business so I could work from home. And so, yeah, it's all sort of gone from there. And when was that? Teaching. Oh, that's so long ago now. Let me think. That would have been about 1996, I think. So some time ago. So um, been publishing books. I actually do write children's readers um, under another name, Jay Dale, um, and they're published in the UK by Raintree. Okay. called Engaged Literacy. So I've sort of been in the publishing industry and been in education for a long time. And um, I was also on my children's school council and I asked them, I decided that we needed to do more in the area of keeping children safe from sexual abuse. Not that I have been abused myself, but my neighbour had been abused as a young woman. Okay. And um, so I brought this up at school council saying, you know, could we do more in the prevention space? And I called it body safety and they ignored me. (laughs) Right, right. Do you think part of that's because it's it's one of those things that is... Is uncomfortable. Is uncomfortable. Yeah, it's that uncomfortable conversation. But yeah. it doesn't need to be. That's the whole point. Yeah. And as an educator, I could see that, yeah. that, you know, we could um, do age-appropriate, um, empowering education for children. Mm. And so when I came home from that school council meeting, I said to my partner, Mark, um, you know, nobody's listening to me. I'm going to write a book. And then they might listen to me. And so then that sort of... <laughs> week I wrote Some Secrets Should Never Be Kept which was our first book okay. in our own kind of um, suite of books. publishing sphere yeah, yeah. because you know and why I did we did publish it ourselves Chris was because no other publisher wanted to publish it yeah and we had to go to three illustrators before we could find an illustrator to illustrate it and yeah. it's it's a you know it's it written like a fairy tale. It's not graphic. It's just a little story that sends a very clear message. Yeah. Um. So we decided to do it ourselves, and that's how our publishing company started. Um, our small publishing company is only two of us. Yeah. Educate to empower publishing. So that 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 was that was born out of necessity more than anything else, yes, wasn't it, Jenny? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I was happy in education, publishing, writing my readers, yeah. and um, inventing other sorts of things. But I felt very strongly about this that we weren't doing enough in this space. And mm. since that book, so many um, survivors have yeah. said to me. Um, if only they had known from that very first inappropriate touch it was wrong, yeah, yeah, yeah. their lives would be completely different. So how do we power of prevention? How do we change the dialogue in that then? How do we make people <laughs> how do we how do we make people embrace the awkward conversation to make sure our kids are safe? Well, I think access to age-appropriate education, telling them that, you know, putting their fears away because it's actually the adult's fear. Um, Yeah. You know, we talk about your body is your body and no one can come inside your body boundary and if anyone, um, we talk about private parts and name them properly and if anyone touches you, this is what you do. It's very simple stuff, but it's really the parents and the educators who are frightened of this topic. stigma, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah and, and, you know, the thing is, 
we know from statistics that it can be as much as one in five girls and one in eight boys. Really? Is it that much? sexually abused yeah. before 18. Some say it's more, mm. and 98% of them know they're abuser. So, you know, prevention is the easy part. It's the yeah. empowering part. And um, so well, I th- um, I think we the need other- to change that I think the other challenge you've got is is you just don't know the scope of the issue because it's not talked about. So it's it's yeah, it's interesting you talk about um, the uh, age appropriate um, uh, uh, communication because I've um, I, I don't know if you've uh, I don't know if you've seen it on Netflix, but there's a documentary on Mister Rogers. The American, um, yes. the, the American, and um, I, I didn't know who Mr. Rogers is before I saw this documentary. So, um, and it's amazing because he had a very simple style, um, but seemed to manage to communicate. Uh, I mean, one of his one of the subjects he covered off was the death um, to young kids. You know, kids of, of four or five years of age, um, and and seemed to do it in a way that was um, that 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 highlighted how to cope with the issue without making it too. Um, to age inappropriate and I think there's a fine how do you write like that how do you communicate like that because I'm not convinced it's something I I could do firstly I'd like to say sorry Chris but the first thing is that if it's it's no good putting it in the too hard basket because you're actually your children no favours and in the case of body safety education you actually put them at risk there are a lot of people out there who um oh, you know, are your new best friend? They're always there to help out. And if your child doesn't know that kind of touch is wrong, they're unsafe touch, then you, you're actually, by putting things in the too hard basket, you're putting them at risk. Yeah, so gotcha. what we need to do is, and, and I guess this is where I guess, you know, my skill is that I can write in a way that is a child's <coughs> voice that they yeah. can relate to. So... You know, we've all been children, and I'm just lucky I can tap into that. You're in a child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and write in a way that they understand. Um, So recently, you know, the book that probably is is one that I um, am very proud of is called My Body, What I Say Goes. Okay. Now, um, that's written in a very easy style, easy to understand, mm. and the children just get it. And the other thing about that book is we we gifted that one, that one okay. to World Vision India. Okay. And they've printed, they've translated it into 10 Indian languages and they printed, they intend to print 1.5 million copies to give away to families. Amazing. And, and they've actually in service 900 teachers to implement that book and that book my body what i say goes has every it's kind of it's non-fiction so it's kind of skill-based everything a kid needs to know like a toolkit to and for parents and educators to help them stay safe okay so yeah love it (laughs) love it um and, and and again it's access to knowledge that's probably not particularly widely available in some cultures right you know it's just like oh. these conversations don't happen they do not happen yeah. they do not happen so you know being able to by 
by people now, we have a giving back page. So by people now, you know, buying our books or, or whatever, the books I write, then we are able to give back to communities that would never be able to afford these books yet Love so it. desperately need them. Love it. So, you know, it's all a win-win really, mm. isn't it? Yeah, no, it's, no, it's great. <laughs> and, 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 and tell me a little bit more about the publishing companies. It's you and your husband. Oh. Um, but yeah, can my I... husband and I, yeah. and, um, a young woman called Sharnika who works um, a day a week with us and, helping me with social media and, because, you know, that's how people get to know us. It is, um, right. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah, and he does, I do all the writing and the teaching notes and all the free resources. We have a lot of free resources and posters, so okay. even if people can't afford the books, there's lots of free stuff there. Um, and my partner, Mark, does all the technical side and the, you know, getting the books printed yeah. and um, inventory and all that kind of stuff that okay. I really hate. <laughs> and do you, do you specialise in... Uh, educating kids about subjects that just aren't covered conventionally i i specialize in areas that i feel i've got something to say okay i feel that we're you know we're ignoring that space so it started with body safety and i feel that everyone was uncomfortable with that so i'm like well i'm not so i'm going to talk about it okay so that's that area and then you know it sort of morphs from there so you talk about body safety. Okay, now you need to talk about consent and what's that yeah. mean? Yeah. Body boundaries and respect. Okay, so now you need to talk about gender equality because, you know, we need to – we know that um, domestic and family violence – uh, gender inequality is the basis of that and we yeah. know that 98% of the abusers are males so we need to teach our young boys from a young age about consent and respect and yeah. seeing all genders as equal and humans as just humans yeah. so then that morphed into okay what's that looks like okay we need some empathy we need kindness we need um, all of those things so for yeah. me it's all part of one whole and that's the space I want to write in because yeah. that's where I see the need. And it, it's interesting because I think my perspective, and we talked before uh, before we'd start recording the podcast on on kids, but my perspective certainly changed when I when Charlotte first Charlotte and then Sophie was born. And you look at mm. you look at their lives and go, I want you to be independent women who want to do whatever you want with your life um and you need to make sure that you've got the confidence to do that mm. and i think sometimes society isn't equal enough uh, no. isn't fair enough to women uh, or girls well i mean there there was a, a survey done at a mm. university and they asked boys and uh, men and women um what do you do to keep yourself safe? Mm. Now, the women wrote, oh, you know, I look in the car when I get in, I make sure I'm carrying my keys so they're poking out in case I need my worse, have my phone. Um, I never go running after dark. I always go with a friend when I'm out walking in the park. And the, bo and the men, they didn't think about it. There was nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's the inequality. Women, yeah. women are always looking out how am I safe? Yeah and, yeah. and I've said this to my partner, and I know this is a little bit hard for some people to digest, but when a man sees a woman coming along the road, he'll probably go, oh, okay, who's that? And, is she, you know, is she attractive, I guess, you know, whatever. Yeah. A woman sees a man coming along the road, and I have three daughters. They go, okay, 
am I safe? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, is this person going to whistle at me? Are they going to look at me? Am I, are they going, you know, do I have to avert my eyes? Um, You know, they're looking out for their safety. Yeah. And is this a world we want to bring up our daughters and our sons because our sons are missing out? Sure. With gender inequality, you know, they got to man up, they can't, we want them to be nurturing, beautiful fathers. Yeah. You know, we want them to be, show their feelings like, um, you know, kindness and empathy. Yeah. And, and not be afraid to do that, right? Not be afraid exactly. to to turn around and go, you know, you're you're still a man if you are empathetic and kind. And there's, you know, what's interesting? We we interviewed a guy called um, Nick Elston on the podcast. It was out. It, it came out a few weeks ago, and um, he talks about um, admitting weakness. He talks a lot. He, he speaks at events about anxiety and vulnerability. He, 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 he and, and part of the reason that he got to a point where he he finds himself his career is now talking about anxiety is he got to a point in his life and his career where everybody was telling him to man up and he just he just uh, did, couldn't take it anymore he needed to talk to somebody about it um and i i, I just wonder how many men go through that process of assuming that you can't pretend you're struggling i don't know yeah absolutely and it look it does them no favors so that's why gender equality is so important as well because if we teach from a young age it's okay for our little boys to say i feel really sad and this is you know because of this and and we say yeah you go to the doll corner you cook up a lovely meal i mean this is what we need our boys to do we, it's okay for it to say, oh, you know, girls are empowered and they are and that's great. And, but we don't, you know, we don't always want to be uh, just a version of men. Yeah. We yeah. want to be women and we want our men and we want men to be men and whatever. We want to redefine that word man, yeah, which women. often has toxic, you know, toxic connotations. Yeah. We want it to be, you know, human. Mm. And this, this be a lot more empathy and kindness for both genders and all genders mm. if everybody was thinking of us in terms of equal. Mm. Um, so how we do that, I think we need to start from a very young age. We need to change the conversation. I just know when I was teaching young children, like very young, like preppies, which is sort of four and five, Mm. the dress-up box, the boys and the girls loved it just as much as each other. You know, Mm. some of those boys would get into the the princess dress and put on the jewellery and have so much fun and enjoy it. Now, that doesn't mean they're transgender. That just means they enjoy feeling nice, you know, the silks and swishy of a skirt, just like a young girl. It's play, isn't it? It's play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely right. Um, now, okay. now, one one of your books uh, is "Be the Difference," yes. and in it, yes. you talk about some of the ideas kids can use to mm. just engender positive change, to create positive change. Can you just share a few of those ideas with us? Well, look, that book came from I was walking on the beach okay. uh, with my. Uh, couple of years ago and I was listening to a song I don't know if you know Missy Higgins but she's a, um, a singer here in Australia and she okay. was singing her song called 
um, the difference. You know, we can all make a difference in small ways. And I, I started chatting to this lady and we started talking about her partner and just on the beach and, and I was talking a little bit about gender and stuff with her and she's like, oh, I've never thought that before and I'm going to go home and I'm going to say that to my husband and no, 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 no. And I thought, you know, just that little conversation yeah. made a difference. Yeah. It was only a small thing. But it, it did make a difference. So then I thought, okay, how can – kids are very anxious right now. They're worried about climate change. They're worried about so many different things and they want to do something. So how can we help kids just in small ways make a difference? So yeah. I decided that the, the three areas of the book – so there's 40-plus ideas in there to use for families or schools and they cover – three sections so empathy and kindness is first mm. second is um talking about uh, gender and racial equality and the third is how we can care for and love for the environment okay. so there's uh yeah there's 40 plus ideas there's um, some also highlighting other kids who are doing great things um yeah so i'm really proud of that book and Good. i think um it might make a difference if we have our kids read. And and what what ideas specifically did you have for kids to use around empathy and kindness? Okay, so um, let's see. You know, basically um, collecting um, old clothes that they might have and giving them to a homeless shelter. Okay. Uh, raising money for um, something that they. Yeah, feel about. strongly about yeah, yeah. like the bushfire animals. Kids can get together and have a fundraiser for that. Yeah. Um, having an empathy classroom where they all work out their rules that they're going to use in their classroom and live by those rules. Okay. Um, yeah, different things like that. Oh, amazing. That amazing. <laughs> and and you're, you're, I mean, you, what you're talking about here, Jane, yeah. is it's like, it's it's things that aren't typically taught in school right so particularly as kids get older so you may they may learn english or maths or science or or art and design but how important do you think it is for softer skills for these human skills to be taught it's everything isn't it it's yeah, everything. I agree. It's why we find ourselves in wars. It's why we find ourselves in, you know, all sorts of different conflicts, even down at the pub. Yeah. It's it's so important how to have social and emotional intelligence. Firstly, I firstly, I, I mean, I, I don't get in conflicts down the pub, but you, you speak for yourself. <laughs> um, but secondly, do you think that the – do you think the reason – the part of the reason we don't teach it is because it isn't easily measured you know how do you how do you define success and on that here's the end of another podcast but the end is never truly the end because the end is always beginning of something entirely new and our entirely new this week is last week's question of the podcast as it is every week and last week's question of the podcast answered by yours truly um, and you guys is what's your favourite canned drink? Now, Charlotte and I have said we both love Lil because of its yeah, totally tropical taste, but we had a bunch of different answers, all what? of them valid, apart from Iron Brew. Uh, David Forsdyke what? said, what, Iron Brew is not a valid answer, is it? Yeah. Bass, what's your, well, remind it's us, what's your, what's your favourite soft drink? Uh, Pepsi Max. Pepsi Max is Same a Pepsi Max fan. It's not valid answer.
David Forsdyke said Ting. I've never read a Ting. Uh, Keely Benning said Cherry 7-Up. David Bowley said Cherry cherry Coke. Eve Keith said Rio. Ricky Addy said Sam Miguel. Sam Kane said she loves Lilt, but have you tried a Rubicon? No. I, I always yeah. see re- Rubicon for sale. Aren't uh, as nice. The bottled ones are nice, but the canned ones But would nice. you have a Lilt or a Rubicon? A Lilt. Okay, fair enough. I won't try a Rubicon then. Serena said a Diet Coke. Alison said cream soda. Now, I love cream soda. Absolutely adore cream soda. Carol Stump said a Rio. Uh, John Cook said a breeder. Uh, breeder? Uh, I think that's a beer. Sharon Hirsch said, uh, can it be alcoholic? I'm going with Copperberg. Cousel uh, is up for a fever tree tonic. Gemma Plaven said a cherry Coke. Brian said a can of whoop <laughs> I don't know. Can of I, I, I don't know if that. Yeah, you like that canned water soap, don't you? With a little weird top. Sandra Connington said, I don't have canned drinks, but I, I agree that Fever Tree is nice, but only with a gin. Caroline Thompson said, Orange Fanta. Emma said, uh, Emma Stevens said, Diet Coke Lime. Mm. Stacey Keane said, Cherry Coke or Dots Pepper. Justin Gaffney said, Old Jamaican Ginger Beer. Again, not one I've had. Uh, Carol Hussey said, uh, No fizzy drinks for me. But I'll have a GNT and a tonic. Uh, Pedro Floyd said Cariba. Uh, Cariba. N- n- Cariba, Cariba. Nicola Toes said Diet oh, Coke. Karen that. said Fizzy Ribena. Oh. Steve Chilton said Sam Pellegrino Blood Orange. Now, I was at the gym this morning. Oh, my I treat. Love the Sam now, I'm, now, I like Sam Pellegrino Classic. My Sunday morning treat coming out the drip gym, Sam Pellegrino. I love it. Uh, Mandy Medlock said Pepsi Max. Karina Murray said Amilo. I don't know. I've never had one of them. Ian Brazier said, I'm surprised no one said Iron Brew. Uh, Benjamin Fox said Cream Soda and Tab Clear. Josh Cartwright said Root Beer. I love it. I used to love a Root Beer and Cream Soda. Lorraine Hornsby said San Pellegrino. And Johnny Hall said a Bing. Uh, That, my friends is what everybody's favourite soft drink is. And that is the end of another podcast. Say bye. 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 Say bye. Bye. Have a lovely week, and we'll see you next time on The Kindness Project. Bye. Kindness. Nope, wrong one, wrong one. Have to go through my roll. Not kindness news. Tis the end. Yeah, yeah. I've got to go through my roll. Tis the end of another podcast, but the end is never truly the end. The end is always the beginning of something entirely new. Okay, and last week's podcast question was, if you were a circus act, what would you be? Mike Grizzly said Jagger. The amount of stuff I've had in the past four years managed to keep it all going and look quite calm while doing it. Steve Dan would be the bearded woman. With my man boobs, I'd almost be there. Um, Claire Foster Clearo, at the moment, I feel like Dumbo. Uh, Craig Kevin Kavanagh said the fed up lion. Gillian Bird said the clown. Justin Gaffney said the ringmaster. Uh, Mark Bartley said the strong man. Um, Brian Hill said the current circus is the Houses of Parliament. Again, getting a bit political for us at the Kindness <laughs> Project. And that is it, my friends. That is the, the end of another show. Thank you for joining us. Have a lovely week, and we'll see you next time on the Kindness Project. Bye. Bye.